Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Digital Switch, except that this time we're doing things a little differently. As you can see, we have four folks on our video. So we're going to try to do this a little bit, um, uh, as I said, differently. We're going to have a video on top of the podcast episode that we're going to share on uh, YouTube with you. So um, with that said, how are you, Sonia? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. As I said last episode, it seems like this is 137, 38 in quarantine. <laughs> it definitely feels like <laughs> Maybe that. that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but you know. Um, why don't you tell us what we're doing today? So this week we have actually two guests, as you said, and they're returning guests. Um, Raghu Rao, who is Pure Nova's uh, VP of Business Development, and Harpal Gill, who is Pure Nova's Director of Business Development in Europe. So thank you guys for both rejoining us. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Naveed. Great to be here. Hi, Naveed. Hi, Sonia. Yeah, great to be here. So Thanks for taking us seriously to come back to a second episode, right? Yes. <laughs> we survived we and came that. back. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we appreciate the payoff. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, so one other thing I wanted to mention is that we prepared the presentation for this video as well. So we're going to do our best to kind of stay in sync with the conversation. So just bear with us. But uh, let's get started. Okay, so the past few episodes, we've actually focused a lot on regulatory requirements and how data governance is key for firms to meet compliance. Um, so this episode, we're actually going to dive into GDPR and CCPA, um, two new regulatory requirements that we just wrote about on our recent article. So Raghu and Harpal, would you mind breaking down these two um, issues and then also what is the difference between the two of them? Thank you, Sonia. Uh, next slide, please. So GDPR. So GDPR is European regulation that came into force on the 25th of May 2018. It's where enterprises around the world must comply if they do business in the EU, have customers in the EU, or their products and services are accessible from the EU. For example, if a US-based business uses web services to track EU visitors to their site, they must be GDPR compliant. So what is specifically GDPR? GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation. Um, and it's where, it's where enterprises must now follow seven accountability and protection principles in order to achieve GDPR compliance. So what are these seven principles? In summary, they must be lawful, fair, and transparent to the consumer. Processing is only for legitimate purposes specified explicitly to the consumer. Enterprises can only collect, process only as much data as absolutely necessary for the purposes. Enterprises must keep personal data for accurate and up-to-date and only store personal identifying data for as long as necessary for a specified period. And data processing must be done in such a way to ensure security, integrity, and confidentiality. And finally, enterprises are responsible for being able to demonstrate GDPR compliance. You could argue that the first six principles are actually what people might say best practice. Um, people have been kind of doing that and, you know, it's been acceptable business practice. But the fifth, the, sorry, the last one is really how do you achieve and ensure that your compliance is going to be the bigger challenge uh, for most enterprises to, to actually enforce and prove and comply with to the regulators. Great. Uh, thanks, Harpal. Let's uh, talk a little bit about CCPA. As you uh, may know, CCPA stands for California Consumer Privacy Act. Now, you know, GDPR covers all EU consumers, so you would think that, you know, the U.S. Uh, 
government at a federal level would have had uh, an answer to GDPR that covers, you know, all of U.S. citizens. But, you know, that really hasn't happened. And the states have taken the lead. Uh, what you will uh, soon see, though, is that other states are following California's lead. So you will you'll hear about uh, New York, Maryland, Massachusetts, Hawaii, North Dakota. All of those folks are working on their own privacy regulations uh, going forward. So uh, so there is some kind of uh, quasi federal level type of privacy, you know, that's going to come on on board, I think, in the near future. But we'll start with California and we'll start with CCPA. So what does CCPA do? It requires that consumers, you know, pretty much on the lines of GDPR, know what personal information is being collected, used, shared, sold to third parties, et cetera. It lets you delete your personal information, you know, that's held by businesses and third parties, um, you know, as a consumer sort of opt out option, if you will. And, uh, you know, should you choose not to be, you know, part of this, should you choose to opt out? Uh, they want to ensure that, you know, enterprises don't discriminate, you know, in terms of price or service or, you know, any of the benefits that they're providing to you. So, so that in a nutshell is, is what CCPA is, you know, very similar to GDPR, like we talked about. Now let's uh, talk about how they are similar or different. Um, you know, for the most part, you know, it's about consumers' personal data and giving you, you know, the privacy rights. Uh, GDPR has been around for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, by the way, I should uh, take a break here and wish happy CCPA week for all of us in California. <laughs> this actually is the first full week of uh, CCPA enforcement. It started July 1st. And, uh, you know, the week of July 6th is really the first full week when uh, this is being enforced. Uh, I just checked uh, the news to make sure that this actually has, is happening. And I believe so. The attorney general in California said, yes, the enforcement has started. Uh, there's still some regulations being worked out for the next couple of months. For the most part, this is now uh, enforced in California. Um, in terms of some of the other, uh, you know, uh, differences, you know, for the most part, enterprises need to comply, you know, that do business in California in the case of CCPA and very similar to, you know, GDPR if you're uh, doing business in EU. In terms of fines and you know some of the uh, the requirements uh, to protect uh, consumers, uh, GDPR has uh, you know certain numbers, percentages of revenue, and uh, California has a couple of different options in terms of violations per breach or per per incident uh, you know type of thing. So there are some subtle differences in terms of you know how these are different. You know GDPR and CCPA they both. Uh, you know, protect the consumer in terms of right to access, right to uh, delete, right to opt out. But uh, what GDPR uh, does is it requires the consumer to give you explicit consent, you know, to have your data being uh, stored and, and being used. And GDPR also gives you the, uh, the right to uh, correct incorrect data. If you happen to see incorrect data, um, you know, that the enterprise is holding, it uh, gives you the consumer the right to go and uh, a request that changes be made. Um, and CCPA is a little bit lighter on these. And uh, what it does is gives you a privacy notice on the website, um, you know, but it, it's not an explicit opt-in like GDPR is. But otherwise, you know, they're both, uh, you know, very similar um, in a lot of ways. So, you know, I think uh, you mentioned something earlier, Raghu, uh, in the conversation with that, which I think is worth revisiting. You mentioned that, for example, with, uh, you know, as Harpal was talking about GDPR, you know, you mentioned that GDPR is for EU residents. And of course, Raghu, you mentioned that CCPR is meant to protect California residents. 
But I think what's really important to highlight here is that let's say you're a business operating in the US um, and you just happen to have an EU resident as a member and therefore, or as a, as a client or prospective client, however you want to put it, you still have to abide by these laws. And the same applies with CCPA, right? So if you happen to, to be running a business online elsewhere and you happen to have a California resident visit your website, you still have to abide by the CCPA rules, right? So even though they, um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that even though on paper they appear to be regional, they actually are fairly far reaching. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to the extent that you know, you, you, for CCPA, if you have California consumers that you know that are a big part of your business, you know, absolutely, CCPA will uh, will be enforced. Right. So now let's talk about compliance, because as you shared, the fines and the uh, the penalties could be fairly substantial, particularly on the GDPR side. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, I hear this, not to get sidetracked, but I hear this a lot that the fines are really uh, extravagant, if you will, they're excessive and all that stuff. But the truth is, the, the point isn't the fines, the point is, to make sure there's leverage to get people to actually abide by these rules, right? So let's let's start with the compliance factor. So tell us a little bit about why, Harpal, this question goes to you. Tell us a little bit about what makes compliance with GDPR and CCPA a challenge for firms? Um, the challenge is, is multifold and it centers probably around um, the data itself first. Data is really the key ingredient across all of these, right? So the, the, the problem is that data itself, if you look at the different types of institutions that exist today, the old economy versus the new economy, the data is probably driven in quantum terms much more on the new economy, but the older uh, institutions actually have uh, what we would consider legacy architecture, right? Their legacy architecture now is integrated or perhaps not even integrated with newer technologies. So they have issues with data quality anyway, because they've, they've accumulated many systems. They probably haven't rationalized them as well as they should have. Data sits in multiple places or the same data might sit in different forms in different places. So data quality for them is actually a big, big issue. And that needs to be addressed very, very quickly. Then, as I said, if you look at a lot of these institutions, they have multiple systems. There's very few people, if any, that actually can see the entire workflow from an end-to-end -end perspective. So knowledge is siloed. So with multiple applications, what you'll have is people who are experts in that particular application, both from a people perspective, from a technology and, and business rules. So they'll become very good at that particular application, but that application is only one of many applications that that you need to, in order to process the entire transaction. So there's nobody that can actually look at it from a holistic point of view or an end-to-end -end, uh, point of view. So again, that probably needs to be addressed. Regulators now, you know, it's not enough for you to say, you know, I'm in compliance. They want you to prove it. Not only do they want you to prove, they want you to prove with the effective linear that shows what happened, when it happened, who did it, etc. So that sort of inability or the, the, you have to have the ability to track every event that happens and when it happened. Uh, with effective timestamps. So if you look at the first three, right, it probably leads to the fourth one, which is that people address these three problems independently, right? So you'll have solutions that are out there that address data quality and they'll do the best they can. They'll have people who can say, okay, I can give you some sort of uh, ability to look at a workflow end to end. Uh, however, these aren't connected, right? So you end up with what we call, or what we traditionally call a a static approach to data governance. So they're addressing this, but they're not addressing it in a connected fashion. And I think that's in itself is an, 
additional problem that needs to be solved. So addressing the first three independently is not enough. You need to look, look at them much more holistically. And I think that gives rise to maybe a new operating model. So if we have, so what, would, you know, what does effective data governance look like and how can we achieve it? If you can address some of these issues, what you'll get is what really people want to drive to is a, is a means of actually leveraging your data, right? So if you can address these issues, what you have is now the ability to be able to monitor, to be able to govern your data across the entire enterprise itself. And that's a must. I think that's, you could argue that's good business practice anyway, right? Also, we know that there's going to be multiple sources of data coming in, both internally, externally. You need to have the ability to cleanse them, right? Uh, prepare them so that in a timely manner as well, so that you can actually process it uh, for the purpose that it's intended for. Security, we know, is a big issue. We need to make sure that the secure data is secure. We know that there's been multiple breaches. If you read the papers, there's almost one every single week. And as, as you know, the compliance or the lack of compliance will force regulators to impose significant fines. So addressing you know, the data quality and what we, what we consider is probably the four elements of that, which is correctness, consistency, completeness, and timeliness. Getting those, to, to getting those resolved will actually be a long way in achieving um, you know, at least one aspect of achieving compliance. Uh, again, the lineage aspect is actually key so that you can actually prove to regulators Regulators will not be happy for you to say, trust me, right? I've got it correct. They want you to be able to prove with evidence and with a effective lineage that shows exactly what happened, when it happened, et cetera. So, you know, there's a lot to address here, but I think people who can achieve effective data governance will go a long way. And it's like you said, it's a carrot and stick. If you can address it, you're going to avoid the fines. If you can address it properly, you're going to get more customers coming to you. So, uh, effective data governance actually is good and is necessary, uh, not just for compliance, but for good business practice. So as an active data governance tool, which is what PeerNova offers our cuneiform platform, um, how can it help, help enterprises comply with GDPR and CCPA? Thanks, Sonia. So, uh, you know, Harpal talked about the, you know, the four key challenges, you know, that enterprise face in, uh, you know, addressing these, uh, you know, the compliance for GDPR and CCPA. And, uh, you know, you've heard this from us before in the previous podcast. Our platform is called Kinerform. To introduce it again, active data governance, providing end-to-end -end trust and transparency of uh, both data and business flows. So let's uh, go to the next slide and uh, and talk a little bit more about you know how we've addressed these uh, four challenges. So with regards to the the first challenge with regards to end-to-end -end data quality, you know, Kinefarm platform allows ongoing data quality rules to be perpetually run across the workflow, across the process. So any exceptions that happen can be you know, actively managed, can be grouped, and we have, uh, we have done a lot of work in this area in terms of exception grouping and management and working with external case management tools. So the end result is that you, in, on a near time basis, have uh, clean data at all times. And, and this is you know, very critical, and we can all agree that you know, clean data is sort of the, uh, you know, the first requirement of uh, you know, any acceptable data management, data governance uh, platform. The, the second challenge is with respect to end-to-end -end visibility, enterprise knowledge being uh, siloed. And uh, what PeerNova's uh, platform does is provide you a unified view across the systems, across the applications, uh, you know, across the workflow. 
and we continuously build, update, and optimize the, the data dictionaries, glossaries, um, rules repositories that are all components of metadata, uh, if you will. And the, what these dynamic uh, lineages do is help with uh, you know, root cause analysis being you know, done in shorter timeframes, uh, being done quickly, and, uh, and allow the enterprises to identify data and process issues when it comes to consumer data. Uh, the, the third challenge here is about tracking, you know, all of the different versions of data, metadata, and business rules that, uh, you know, Harpal talked about. And uh, what uh, Kinoform does is being able to, you know, give you this, with this lineage capability with end-to-end uh, -end visibility, you can track the creation, acquisition, and movement of, uh, you know, the consumer data as it's flowing through your, you know, your process, your application, or your workflow, uh, whatever the case may be. And the, the fourth one, which is also very important, is you know, traditionally the data governance tools have been taken sort of an active, uh, a passive approach, if you will, or a static approach, if you will. And this tends to be manual, um, you know, manually driven, and, uh, and, and stewards, data stewards, for the most part, doing manual updates to maintain consistency and correctness. And uh, what is you know generally uh, known and you know accepted is that you know this, these manual processes can be pretty expensive, and also drift from what's happening with the actual data as it's flowing through the workflows. And uh, what we have done with our active data governance tool is really be able to uh, you know automate at this and use self-serve tools to make it really easy for uh, both data and business users to be able to capture these. And, and to essentially enable you to meet these uh, reg compliance requirements that, uh, uh, that come uh, by with respect to GDPR and CCPA. So uh, we've taken a, a more integrated approach to addressing all of these uh, with the uh, Kinoform platform. Excellent. Thank you, Raghu, and thank you, Harpal. Um, so I think uh, just, I know these are very, very dense topics and um, I just want to invite our viewers or listeners to visit the resource section of our website. We have plenty of articles on these two particular topics. But I think the key takeaway is that, of course, you could, you, you, you know, enterprises are probably addressing different pieces of this today. But as Raghu, as you mentioned, there is a better integrated approach, and that's pretty much what we're offering. But at the same time, I think it's important to highlight once again that this is not simply a good thing to have. This is this is a very, very strict regulation that's being uh, imposed on, as I shared earlier, sort of enterprises and businesses of all sizes across the globe, because chances are you're going to have an EU resident visit to your business in the U.S. And of course, you may have a California resident that visits your business elsewhere outside the U.S. So it is imperative that organizations take this seriously. Um, so again, I invite everyone to just visit our resources section from there. Please feel free to reach out to us. We can set up a demo uh, very quickly and kind of walk you through how we solve these problems. But with that said, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Sonia. Thank Thanks, Navid. All right. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Digital Switch. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service or digitalswitch.show. You can also stay up to date on everything Piernova on our resources section or at piernova.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at, at Piernova Inc. And have a great week. And don't forget, this episode will be on YouTube as well. Yes, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you all. Thanks. Thanks.